0: You know, there's a lot of sports teams names out there that i just really don't know what they are i sort of take it for granted i think a lot of other people do too well we're going to investigate one of those and bring some answers to it and the origin story of actually two great programs in sports and it's all coming up for you in a story in just a moment My name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports as well as football by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform. The Sports Jersey Dispatch. Hello, my sports history friends. This is Darren Hees of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your place for all things great in sports history and finding them through the gear and names and numbers that the players in the teams wore. Who among us doesn't love a grid story, especially when it takes us to an answer that maybe we've posed in our heads a couple times or more, especially when it comes to sports history? Let me tell this tale. There was a young couple named Frank and Elizabeth that fell in love, got married, started to have a life for themselves, and soon they found in the fall of 76 that they had a young child, a son, and they named him Charles. Now this young family, they ran a local lumber company, but they really had to stretch a dollar to help keep that uh, young family survive, especially in the brutal Vermont winters. Now as their son Charles grew older, he helped the family's finances out not only by helping out in the family business, but also by taking employment as a gopher at a local corner grocery store as well. And as Charles advanced into his later teen years, he found to be extremely competent, especially uh, around his father, helping his father out at the local sawmill, buying logs for the mill. And he did quite well at it too. His father, Frank, saw so much potential in the youngster that the family scraped together enough coin and ended up sending the lad to Jenny Business College in Enosburg, Vermont. Now, upon graduation, Charles moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts, where he found employment at another grocer. This is a business that he was somewhat familiar with from working at the one earlier in his life as a child. But it didn't hurt that this Cambridge store was owned by by Charles's uncle Oscar. Well, soon Charles departed from there and made ends meet by becoming a traveling grocer and tobacco salesman, traveling all over, you know, Vermont and upstate New York and New Hampshire, even going into Canada. And some of those stops in Canada, he you know, was, was near uh, Montreal, he would go into the city and he observed some, some sporting events there that uh, he seemed to really enjoy. We'll get back to those in a bit. He was meeting many people and expanding his network, being out there on the road, and soon he found himself with an opportunity to help with run the New England Maple Syrup Company as its treasurer. Now this led to him moving to a better position later on with a different company, the Fitzgerald Hubbard and Company Financial and Brokerage Firm. Well, still, Charles had an itch to do more and to better himself. He's always expanding, trying to do better himself. And finally, he landed working in the John T. Connor Company, which eventually morphed into the first national store finance chain of grocers in the Boston area, was back in the grocery business. Now, living in the big city, Charles delighted in watching local sports, especially one that he found in Montreal, the game of hockey and It was mainly amateur teams playing hockey at this time in an era in sports. And he watched Charles watch them with delight in his spare time. Now he started his love for this fast paced game, as we said, as that traveling salesman and trips to Montreal. And he noticed that these amateur players in Boston were not as dedicated. There was just something off a little bit to their game as compared to what the Canadians were doing up north of the border soon as observations were right, as scandal swept through amateur hockey in the city and the fans in Beantown were becoming very disenchanted with the game. And Charles knew it wasn't the game. It was the way that the players were and they were not doing it for fun. Then they were not getting paid for it. So they certainly weren't doing it for money. So Charles knew he had to do something with it. So. With all his accumulated wealth that he had acquired through hard work and smart saving and you know, working his way up through different businesses, Charles Francis Adams purchased the very first franchise of the National Hockey League that would claim its home rink on American soil for the nifty sum of $15,000. This would be the sixth franchise in the National Hockey League. He decided to make the team's home in Boston and let it be an extension of his already successful grocery chain called Brookside stores. Now the colors that the team would wear, they must be the same vein as his store colors. So he decided to keep delivering the message to his fans to have allegiance to both his new hockey team and to the grocery stores he had. Now the Brookside grocery store color scheme was brown and yellow. And Charles wanted the team nickname and mascot to be relative to these colors too. But it also should be maybe an animal with such respect and ferocity to have size, agility, and cunning to match the perception that Charles embodied upon himself and to his retail chain. He wanted everything to mesh. Well, Ideas poured in for all corners uh, from his friends and family to match his request, but none quite hit the mark with Charles. One of them was his new coach of the the hockey team, Art Ross, helped come up with, and that was of the Brownies. But it was the right color because he liked the brown and the yellow, but Adams just thought perhaps it had too much of a childish constitution for a professional sports team. He wanted something that could bring fear from opponents, not their laughter. And this indecision of name remained with no clear-cut answer until Adams' secretary... One day floated an idea by him of the Bruins. Now Charles loved the name because it was exactly what he was looking for. So they became the Boston Bruins hockey team. Now what is isn't exactly a Bruin you may ask? Well I had the same question. So I looked it up. And according to yourdictionary.com a Bruin is another name for a bear that was used in folklore uh, and specifically in the medieval beast epic Rainer the Fox. Now, another question that comes up is, well, isn't there another sports team that's called the Bruins? Well, there is at the collegiate level. The UCLA sports teams use the Bruins as well. So I wondered, could there be a connection there? Well, the UCLA teams, when they were first incepted, they were called the Cubs, especially when the school and its athletic programs were just getting started. It sounded a little bit soft, And the students knew this. So in 1924, uh, according to the UCLA's alumni pages on the mascot name, the student body adopted a more vigorous mascot in the Grizzly. In 1926, however, as UCLA looked into entering into the Pacific Coast Conference, the University of Montana stood up because they were already a member. And they pressed the case because they said, hey, we were the Grizzlies first. And there can only be room for one Grizzly in the Pacific Coast Conference. So once again, UCLA was scrambling and in search of a new sporting moniker. And after considering many different options, they found another University of California school that had a nickname issue, but they were not one of lacking for a name, but they actually had too many. At that same time, UC Berkeley was using both the Bears and the Bruins names, and it was confusing and the faculty and students alike decided they needed to have just but one identity. So Berkeley students voted to give the Bruin name up, and UCLA was more than happy to have their bear-themed mascot returned with a slightly unique name in the sporting leagues that they played in. Yeah, there was the Grizzlies, but there was the Bears, but there was the Bruins. So that's our story of how the Bruins name came on two different sports teams, uh, well, the one professional team, the Boston Bruins and one major college the UCLA Bruins didn't have a connection to each other other than they used that folklore name of Bruin uh, from medieval writings. So I thought that was very interesting and it, they're right it does bring some ferocity when once you know that a Bruin is a bear. So we hope you enjoyed this story hope that cleared up a, a little bit of problems and now you know and so do I. We have the scoop. Something to talk about the water cooler next time when you're looking for that great sports history. So till next time, everybody, have a great sports history day. This penalty kill is almost over. I got to get back out on the ice. But thanks again for joining us for another great edition of Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. We'll see you tomorrow.